I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. I dropped off my dog rider internship. Okay. So uh, today's a top 10 episode. Um, previously, I did a top 10 episode of my favorite non-evergreen keywords. So it seems only apropos to do one of my top 10 evergreen keywords. Although I, I actually restricted it to evergreen creature keywords. I'm not going to try to figure out where scry falls in the list. Um, so anyway, I'm looking at the evergreen creature keywords and picking my top 10. Uh, so there's, I think there's 15 evergreen creature keywords. So uh, uh, two-thirds of them get, get to make the list. So um, as always, when I say my top 10, this is my feelings today. Maybe ask me a different day. I'd have a slightly different list. Um, but here's my list today. So there's a lot of factors I'm looking at here. Um, I'm looking at sort of um, flavor of the mechanic. I'm looking at gameplay of the mechanic. I'm looking at design space. I mean, I'm just, it's everything all together. Like just as, as a designer that designs magic all the time, which are my favorite evergreen keywords? Okay, we'll start with number 10, indestructible. Um, so I first made this mechanic um, during Darksteel. Um, we were trying to figure out something cool to do to like, what could you do with artifacts? That's like, like what, what is the biggest problem with artifacts? And I said, people destroy them. What if we couldn't destroy them? And so originally, indestructible wasn't even a keyword. It just was like an English word. Um, but everybody thought it was a keyword, so we eventually made it into a keyword. Um, so the reason indestructible is 10 is it's splashy, it's fun, it's flavorful. Um, you know, the idea of, you know, magical things and this thing, it just it can't be destroyed. Uh, that is pretty cool. I mean, for those that don't know it, I'm a big comic book nerd. And, uh, you know, I grew up with, like, Superman. And, you know, this, the idea of being indestructible is kind of cool. Um, so the reason this one comes in at number 10, uh, I mean, it, the reason it makes the list at all is it's exciting. You know, it, it is definitely something we do that people sit up and, you know, it, it is pretty awesome sounding. Um, the reason it's at number 10 rather than being lower down on the list is uh, it is a little bit confusing for people. Um, like one of the problems is when we first introduced uh, Indestructible, my joke was uh, when I was, you would do social media was, uh, can blank destroy it? No, blank can't destroy it. It's indestructible. Um, and somehow the idea of, I mean, one of the things is, Trying to understand what in the game destroys things versus not destroy things can be a little confusing. Um, there's some like state-based effects that just you know that like there's definitely some things that work around. Like one of the things about indestructible, for example, is minus n minus n effects will destroy indestructible. Um, and the idea that that works against indestructible, but like you know other things can't. Or like how it interacts with sacrifice. I mean, there's things that definitely can be a little confusing about it. So it is splashy. It's fun. It definitely is a mechanic that people really seem to like. But um, the reason it only comes in at number 10 is it is not always clear what it means. And there's been a lot of... Um, we have to be careful in sets that have... I mean, I guess it's evergreen. But, but we have to be careful when and how we use indestructible. Um, sometimes we get cutesy with it. Like, I know, um, like, Scars and Mirrodin, um, we had minus one, minus one counters, which actually, inter uh, Indestructible does not stop death by minus one, minus one counters. And so, we were a little more liberal with our use of Indestructible. Um, 
I mean, one of the things we thought was funny was the idea that the Mirrens made use of it because they were the ones that we, we introduced Indestructible in Mirrodin. So we're like, oh, hey, this is one of the tools of the Mirrodin, Darksteel, which was the Indestructible thing. Oh, they're king, you know, they're kings of the Darksteel. Like, too bad they're fighting an enemy that uses minus one, minus one counter. So, you know, I thought that was kind of cute. But we, we got cutesy there. So anyway, at number 10, Indestructible. Number nine, Trample. I'm sure a lot of people think I would have Trample slightly higher. So Trample to me is a lot like Indestructible in that it's it's flavorful. It can be a bit splashy. It's not. I don't think it's as splashy as um, I don't think it's as splashy as Indestructible. But I think it's it's probably a little bit more flavorful than Indestructible. I mean, the idea that I'm a giant creature and you try to stop it, but oh, it's so big it just tramples over your creature. That is really cool. Um, that is why it's it's number nine. Is just the flavor of it. It does a neat thing for green, big creatures in general, but green's the one that makes best use of it. Um, you know, Trample does this cool thing where it says, okay, you know, like one of the things that we're always looking at is how evasion works. And Trample is a neat way to do evasion that is just a very different animal from most evasions. You know, most evasions, like either you can be blocked or you can't be blocked. But Trample's like, well, you can partially block me. You can absorb some of the damage. So there's neat gameplay in Trample. And so I... Uh, if everybody in the world could understand Trample, it, it would be high on the list. The reason it's number nine is, oh boy, it, it is probably, either it or Indestructible is the most complicated mechanic we have right now. Um, probably Trample is more complicated than Indestructible, because at least Indestructible is just what does and doesn't destroy you have to learn. And, and most things are the answer. It stops most destruction effects. Um, there's only like minus and minus. There's only a, a limited number of effects that it doesn't stop. Where Trample... Trample's one of those mechanics that, like, every time we we make cards with Trample, we have to be very careful about um, how to do that and how to use it. Um, it's inter- like, We don't put Death Touch and Trample together just because that's a little bit too confusing how it works. Um, so it is, it is a fun and flavorful mechanic. It plays well. But uh, the reason it's number nine is I think a lot of players don't really understand exactly... I think most people, well, okay, there's three groups. There's the people who just get it, who understand how trample works. There's the people who understand how it works in most cases, like, you know, in the vanilla cases, like, I have a 2-2, and I block your 5-5 trampler. There's a lot of people who understand that situation. Um, but I, th- I think there's a lot of people that start interacting mechanics and start having things interconnect, like, do not know how Death Touch interacts with trample. By the way, for those who don't know, um, Death Touch n- needs to do only one point of damage to destroy it. So if I have a creature, let's say I have a 4-4 four, four Death Touch Trample creature, um, if you block me with one creature, I can assign one point to your creature to kill it with the Death Touch, and all the rest get to trample over. No, it's not always That's not always super clear. Um, but anyway, Trample is fun, but Trample is... Trample is one of those things that I wish was a little better understood... Um, but I mean, it's been there since alpha and time and time again, it just proves whenever we sort of teach beginners and monitor how people, you know, re- receive the rules, Trample's always been a problem child. I, I guess now that I think about it, it's, it's clearly the most complicated evergreen mechanic. Um, but anyway, it is, it is, it's one of those things that, that it's hard for us because it is so flavorful and the gameplay is really good and it does something very unique that other evasion mechanics don't do. So... It, I mean, obviously, it's still in the game. You know, it's lasted for 23 years. So, um, you know, there's something about it that's, that's worth sort of the complication. Um, but it is, 
it is something that has proven to be more problematic than most keywords. Okay, so at number nine, trample. At number eight, death touch. Um, so death touch is interesting. So like um, indestructible started in dark steel. Trample started in alpha. Obviously, Richard made red trample. Um, so uh, death touch. So obviously. Uh, uh, the earliest form of death touch happened in alpha. There was thicket basilisk and cockatrice. Um, although one of the things we found, so when I was trying to create keywords, so uh, death touch came about during Future Sight when I decided that we didn't have enough key, um, we didn't have enough evergreen keywords that that we needed a little bit more to allow us to do what we needed to do with the colors that we were a little shy. Uh, and so what I both did is I spread things a little further. I took keywords that appeared in one color and, and found a secondary color for them. And I introduced some keywords of things. We did enough that I felt we needed a keyword. Uh, and Death Touch was one of those. One of the reasons I introduced Death Touch was if you went back and looked at all the cards that essentially had Death Touch, they all worked differently. Like Thicket Basilisk was uh, if it dealt damage to a non-wall... No, no, no. If it dealt damage or if it was blocked, I think. Like, some of them were dealt damage by. Some of them were blocked. Some of them were attacked. Like, they're just different triggers that, that cared about when it happened. And we finally said, okay, let's figure out... And the cleanest way we thought was just damage. That's the flavorful thing. Did it damage you? Well, if it damaged you, then, you know, it, it, you know it's, got a, it's got a poisonous touch or something. I mean, there's a, a couple of different flavors for death touch. But the idea is something about the creature inherently... You don't want to get in a fight with it. You will not survive a fight with a Death Touch creature. Um, Death Touch is kind of neat. It, it, it is an interesting answer to larger creatures. Um, it's something we can put on smaller creatures that um, can help sort of address. And, and the neat thing about it is if I put out a Death Touch creature and you have a big creature, it kind of makes it a taunt for a little while. You don't want to attack. But later in the game, if you can find a way to remove my Death Touch creature, you know, I, I like answers with answers. And the idea is Death Touch sort of like creates this threat that kind of stops you, but if you eventually get the answer to my Death Touch, then maybe you can attack again. Um, or sometimes you get enough creatures that you can wave me, and even though I'll be able to Death Touch one of them, you'll be able to do enough. And so like, I like that Death Touch is a, is a, a clean answer, um, but it's an answer that sort of has interesting gameplay ramifications. So why is it number eight? Why is it not higher up? Um, the thing it gets dinged for is there's not a lot of design space, per se. Um, we can't make a lot of Death Touch creatures... Well, for, first off, Death Touch is really only interesting on a smaller creature. Um, we occasionally put Death Touch on big creatures, but it's solely a flavor thing, and not particularly... Um, not real... Like, an 8-8 with Death Touch is like, well, it's probably going to kill anything that blocks it, most likely, you know? Um... So whenever we put Death Touch on a large creature, it's really just for flavor. It's not for functionality. Um, so you're kind of limited in what creatures you can do Death Touch. And the other thing is Death Touch in too much volume causes problems. So I'm glad it's keyworded. I like it. It's flavorful. You know, it definitely um, gives, like, green uh, and black some interesting tools that it can, they can use. Um, so, but... Um, I think that the limitations, the design limitations, sort of keep it from getting any higher on the list. So it, it, it comes in at number eight. Okay, number seven, Vigilance. So Vigilance first showed up on Sarah Angel and Alpha, um, but it didn't actually get keyworded till huh, Champions of Kamigawa. That's my guess, Champions of Kamigawa. Um, 
there are a couple of the keywords that sort of like we use them all the time and eventually like, you know, we should just name this. And then some false set, we just named it. Um, I think, I think Vigilance was, I might be off there. My memory is good, but not always great. Um, so Vigilance is neat in that um, a lot of our keywords essentially are um, rule-breaking keywords. Like normally you can't do thing X, but now you can with this keyword. It's like I'm selling it on TV. Um, and so, I mean, one of the things that's neat about Vigilance is I like mechanics that basically are normally you do something, but this lets you break the rule because it's a really good teacher to teach the rule. Like one of the things about Vigilance is to understand Vigilance, you have to understand tapping to attack. Um, and I feel like one of the neat things about it is that, you know, there are both... Um, Vigilance does this neat thing that sort of allows things to be aggressive while still being defensive. One of the problems in general sometimes is if you're trying to be defensive, going on the offense opens up, it makes you vulnerable. Um, and so Vigilance kind of gives this nice tool to say, no, 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 you can be, you can have some offense while still keeping your defense. And so I, li- I like how Vigilance does that. Um, I also like how Vigilance definitely like, there are certain things in the game that like it, it gets to be the counter to. Um, like, it's kind of neat when there's things that lock things down. Um, but, like, you know, some of those it's like, well, I never tap in the first place, so it's harder to lock me down. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously Sarah Angel is, you know, I, I think, as most things are, I mean, I guess keywords get introduced in one of two ways. Either somebody introduces it as a keyword, or, look, it just gets made as a singular creature, and then we realize, oh, this is, this is a good, yeah, we should do more of this. Um, like for a long time, we just called this the Sarah ability because it was the Sarah Angel did. Uh, but eventually, we keyworded it. And um, Vigilance's strike against Vigilance, I think gameplay wise, it's good. Uh, it has a flavor problem, which is um, most of these mechanics, when I say death touch, it has death touch. Well, you're like, okay, I guess it touches things that it, you know, it, it gives death to things it touches. I'm like, you can kind of figure out what death touch does. It, or, you know, or trample or indestructible. Like, those names are pretty evocative. Like, even if you don't know exactly how it works, at least you're getting a ballpark. Uh, Vigilance, we tried to find a name for Vigilance that just, like, sort of captured what it did. And there, there just wasn't one. There just wasn't one that said, oh, I guess that doesn't have to attack. It, it just, none of them made, none of them conveyed that. Um, and so Vigilance, we thought was flavorful and, you know, at least, at least has some meaning to it, but, uh, it doesn't really good to do, do a good job as a mechanic that teaches you what it does. In fact, of the evergreen mechanics, it's one of the weakest. Like, if I want to teach you vigilance, I got to teach it to you. Like, okay, let me teach you what this thing is. Where other things, like normally when I teach somebody, uh, I'm first teaching magic, I like to see if they can figure out what things do. Because if they can figure it out, and if I'm not teaching it to them, they can just figure it out, it's a lot easier on them. Well, what do you think death touch does? They're like, well, it kills things, it touches? Like, yeah, okay, well, what would that mean? You know, and, um, and Vigilance, I don't think anyone's ever figured out Vigilance. This is not a thing you can figure out. So it makes things a little harder to learn. Um, I like the mechanic. I like what it does, you know. But, uh, but you know, it's at number seven because a little bit ding for not being as intuitive as some of the other mechanics. Okay, number six. So this one, I, I, I clumped two mechanics together. First Strike and Double Strike. Um, so the First Strike uh, showed up in Alpha, obviously. Double Strike, oh, Double Strike came about from the very first you make the card. So, uh, what's Mr. Baby Cake's real name? Uh, forgotten, forgotten, I've forgotten it. Uh, 
Forgotten Ancient? Uh, I think that's right. Forgotten Ancient. Forgotten... Okay, I, I might mess up the name of a baby... If the playtest name was Mr. Baby Cakes, I always remember Mr. Baby Cakes. I remember design names and never remember the final name. It's Forgotten Ancient, I think. Forgotten... Okay, people are yelling. Whenever I forget names, I know people are just listening, like screaming at me what the actual word is, but uh, Forgotten something. I think it's Forgotten Ancient. Um, but anyway, when we ask people to turn in um, mechanics for it, I, I, wish I, I wish I knew this person's name. Somebody turned in mechanic uh, Double Strike, and it made no sense in green, which is what the card was, because, you know, Double Strike really is a First Strike variant. Um, so we ended up putting in the colors the First Strike is. The First Strike's white and red, obviously. Um, but, uh, so First Strike is a very flavorful mechanic. Um, and it's a mechanic, it's, in some level, it's kind of an invasion mechanic. Really... Um, on offense, a lot of times it's just unblockable. It's like, you will die if you block me, and I will not die, so I guess I'll let you through. Um, sometimes in combinations, you know, there, there are some tricks you can do with it with giant growths and stuff. Um, the, uh, and Double Strike, by the way, so Double Strike, the, uh, the thing I loved about Double Strike was how somebody took an existing mechanic that we had and found a way to sort of add value to it in a way that, like, Double Strike is neat in that once I teach you First Strike, I mean, I got a little more to teach you for Double Strike, but I feel like I've, I've half taught you it. The Double Strike is kind of not a full mechanic. It's like half a mechanic. And so, you know, if we talk about how many everybody mechanics we can have, I love that sort of they work together and they build off a similar premise to each other. Um, you know, First Strike is super flavorful. I think there is fun gameplay. Uh, the reason it's not higher is that it more causes... Like, the threat of it more causes things than it actually doing things. Like, one of the things about First Strike is usually no one blocks a First Strike creature unless they don't have a choice. Especially if you're not going to defeat the First Strike creature. I mean, you'll block it if you, you can kill it. Um, so, I, I, First Strike to me ended up at 6. And I like the gameplay. It's super flavorful. Um, but it is... It, I like mechanics that sort of... Uh, it, it, it kind of... Um, creates non-interaction, uh, but but uh, that's not necessarily bad. I, I guess I just have to rank these. So I um, I find that first strike sometimes we we have to be careful what and where we put first strike on. Um, it's it, it it can be very potent, especially on a high-powered creature. So once again, it tends to go on slightly lower-powered creatures. Um, you know, unlike Death Touch, it means something on, on a bigger creature. You know, like a, a large creature with first strike is really, really, really hard to get rid of because, you know, you need a multi-block to get rid of a large creature. And if it's first strike, ugh, I mean, you have to block with so many things. It, it's just, it's almost impossible to stop. Um, but anyway, I like first strike. I like the flavor. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is another alpha mechanic that, like, you know, along the way, a lot of alpha mechanics have sort of fallen off. But this is one of the ones that, like, not only has, has stuck around, I continue, I expect it to stick around. So, it, you know, it's, it's a strong mechanic. Number five, prowess. So prowess was introduced. The prowess is a mechanic, uh, the one that says um, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it gets plus one, plus one to one to turn. So prowess was made, uh, well, was first put in the game during Kondotark here as the Jeskai mechanic. Um, the funny thing is we pieced it together and then after the fact realized that we'd recreated uh, a mechanic that John, um, um, John Lauk said uh, submitted during Great Design Search 2. Um, so, and the funny thing, by the way, is originally we had two versions of the mechanic. One that happened only with creatures and one that happened only without creatures. 
and the idea was we were going to put them on separate sides of the, you know, of the timeline, if you will. Um, so we ended up doing the non-creature one here, and we didn't, didn't end up doing the, the, the creature version. Um, but it played so well. One of the things we had been looking for was we really wanted to find a mechanic for blue that felt blue, but had some relevance within combat. Um, and blue is the color that has the most non-creatures. You know, this shit let blue be kind of sneaky and, and do things in a very blue way. It's like, I have a creature. Maybe it's bigger. You don't know. I might have an instant in my hand. You know, or I'm doing other things that I normally want to do, and I do it before attacks, and my creature gets bigger, and now it's big enough that maybe you don't want to block it. Like, you know, I'm going to draw some cards, or maybe unsummon something, and then, oh, look, my creature's bigger. Um, prowess is a very different evergreen mechanic. I mean, one of the reasons we, we spent a long time trying to find the gaps. It's a, we wanted something that both blue needed a creature combat mechanic, and blue-red needed an overlapping mechanic. And so... This, and, and those are the two spell colors. So the idea that they have a spell-related mechanic is pretty cool. So prowess kind of like there was a gaping hole that we spent years and years and years trying to find the, the what to fill it with. And prowess was that. And prowess is it's just a neat mechanic. It, it functions like I said. It's it's an odd evergreen mechanic, um, and it's unlike most of the other evergreen mechanics. But it it is super flavorful. It has a lot of design space. Um, I admit the flavor. It, like Vigilance, is not one of those things where I'm going to read it and exactly get what it does. I at least get that in combat. It's better in combat. But why exactly? I mean, probably the biggest strike against it is it's not super clear what it does. But it is clever, and it does neat things, and it does cool things at deck building. Um, so it, it's just a pretty cool and neat mechanic. And so I, I, I like how Prowess works. And Prowess makes me realize that like at some point you're like, oh, have you... Haven't you found all the evergreen mechanics? And like, no, no, you really can discover new things that you hadn't thought about before and find ways of doing things. So Prowess to me says, you know what? We will keep finding mechanics that can, that, that can graduate to evergreen status. Um, and that this is, this, this is a sign of things to come in my, in my mind. Okay, number four, Menace. Um, so Menace is, uh, you cannot be blocked by only one creature. Um, okay, so Menace was first introduced actually in red, interestingly enough. You know, the, the mechanic is in black and red. Uh, on Goblin War Drums from uh, Fallen Empires, I think? Um, so Goblin War Drums said, like, basically it was an enchantment that said none of your creatures can be blocked by only one creature. It sort of granted all your team Menace. Um, and one of the things is, so for a long time, Black, black started um, yeah, in Alpha, it had. Um, I mean, it wasn't keyworded, but it had a mechanic, essentially, fear, which is, like, can only be blocked by black and artifact creatures. Like, I'm scary. Only black and artifact creatures would bother me to get it. And then we ended up turning fear into intimidate. Well, fear became a mechanic. Uh, and then fear turned into intimidate, which was, so it could go in any color. It's like, I can't be blocked by my color in artifacts. Um, but intimidate caused a lot of developmental problems. So eventually, we were looking for a different way to get black and red evasion. Uh, and the idea we really liked was we wanted an evasion that, like, was useful, but wasn't... Like, the, one of the problems with Fear and Intimidate were they were color-based. And so, like, if you just happen to be playing the wrong colors, like, you know, if I have, you know, original Fear, and I, I'm playing a black deck, what can I do? I can't stop it. Um, and so we wanted to find some sort of thing that, like, was some evasion, but wasn't... There was an answer to it. Also... We liked the flavor that Fear and Intimidate played into, which is, hey, I'm just, you know, part of the reason you want to block me is I'm kind of scary. Um, 
And so Menace kind of met those two goals in that, okay, it represented like, hey, I'm not blocking you alone. You know, you're scary. Um, but it also was something in which, okay, hey, a lot of times Menace is valuable because you only have one blocker. Or, you know, I have a big enough Menace creature that your creatures that can block, um, you know, the, the, you know, it's, you have to dedicate your team to stop and you don't want to do that, you know. And so Menace is neat, but, hey, there are answers. And Menace, you know, it could be like, I'm getting through with Menace, and oh, you draw a creature. Now, okay, now you have an answer to my Menace. And, like, it, it, it did what we wanted to. It hit the flavor we needed to play, um, but it just it has the better gameplay. Um, and so, anyway, I, I think it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I, I like how Menace, Menace really, once again, it filled a, a place we needed. Um, so both Menace and Prowess, by the way, became Evergreen um, in Magic Origins. We uh, brought them to Evergreen status. So, um, but I've been really happy with Menace. I think Menace actually, uh, we are always looking for different evasion mechanics. And it is a pretty clean, flavorful, simple evasion mechanic. So I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy Menace exists. Um, hold on one second. I have to, okay, sorry, I have to, safety first. I had to cut over and make sure that I, I was paying attention when I did that. Okay, next, number three, lifelink. So lifelink, um, you gain life whenever you deal damage. Um, so lifelink first showed up on a card called Spirit Link. Or I, Spirit Link's not exactly lifelink, obviously. Uh, so uh, there's a card in Legends. It was an aura that granted. Uh, it's called Spirit Link, and it said enchanted. Whenever enchanted creature deals damage, you gain the life. The reason that's not lifelink completely is if I put uh, Spirit Link on my opponent's creature, I got life whenever they did damage. So. Spirit for example, was an answer to creatures because if I put it on my opponent's creatures, essentially I've negated the damage because every time they do damage to me, I gain life. And so um, it, allow, it allowed me, it, it, it allowed you to have sort of an offensive use. Uh, lifelink only goes on creatures is a creature keyword. So um, only if I grant lifelink to my opponent's creature, uh, my opponent gains life, not me gaining life. So it's not strictly Spirit Link. But Spirit Link was the uh, spiritual successor, if you will. Uh, to lifelink, and it is a one of the neat things about it is I like how it does neat things to math. I mean, it's kind of flavorful. Um, I, I will admit that lifelink, um, lifelink makes a little more sense flavorfully in black than white. I mean, I, well, white is king of life, and there's a, white is about life gain, and so strategically it makes a lot of sense. But black sort of has the flavor of like I'm draining life out of you, which I, I think is a little more flavorful. Um, and the, the, the name also had the problem of kind of how we, how we flavor white lifelink and how we flavor black lifelink are completely different. And so we had to get a more generic name. So um, the good news is the name does kind of convey what it does. It's not 100%, and it's not as clean a flavor as some of the other ones. Um, but I, I feel like I really, really like the gameplay of lifelink, and I really like how it works. And one of the neat things is um, in, in combat is what we call the clock, which is you figuring out how many turns, like one player usually has the advantage, you know, who's the beatdown? One player has the advantage and then the defending player has to figure out, okay, they can do so much damage to me based on that amount of damage per turn. How many turns do I have to find the answer to whatever the problem is? Um, and one of the neat things about that is lifelink plays with the clock in kind of a cool way and that it says, okay, you know, I'm able to sort of gain some life back, so I'm, you know, it reduces how much damage they're doing and it changes the clock. And so, um, 
Anyway, I, Leyland to me, I mean, we have to be careful with Lifelink. Lifelink's one of those things where um, it can get pretty powerful pretty fast, and it, it, you have to be careful how big how big the power is. I mean, not that we don't make bigger Lifelinkers, but we tend to do it in higher rarities. Um, but anyway, I, uh, Lifelink's my number three. I think I think Lifelink's pretty cool. Number two, haste. So haste is you get to attack the turn comes into play. Normally you can't do that. Um, haste. Well, first showed up in Alpha on a black card, actually. On, um... I can't, it popped out of your graveyard. Uh, I'm blinking on the name of it. It was a black card that could pop out of your graveyard and it could attack right away at dead haste. Uh, very soon after, though, we started seeing haste show up on other creatures, and then it started becoming a red thing. Um, we actually, for a while, our, knee, uh, our nickname in our knee was Celerity, which is a big word that means basically speed. Um... And uh, eventually, we're like, you know what, we just, we just use it so much, we should just give it a keyword. Uh, and then during Future Sight, I, I expanded it, and I pushed it up to black. Um, normally, it was just a red thing early on. Uh, ironically, the first one ever was black, so pushing black sort of felt apropos. Um, we do let green have it for constructed reasons, so it's tertiary and green. Uh, uh, development will use it a lot when they need to have green cards make them con- constructed worthy, so it also shows up in green. Um, haste is neat in that it is flavorful, it is impactful, and um, there are only two evergreen creature keywords that are what I call virtual virtual keywords, which means uh, when I talk about virtual vanilla, it means it's a card that um, it's a card that at the end of the first turn um, it essentially is a vanilla creature. And for all intents and purposes, haste essentially is a virtual vanilla because after the first turn, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 you can steal it. I mean, there, there's a few cases where it does matter, but for most, most cases, essentially, you have to care only one turn, and then you're done. You don't have to remember about it anymore. So it, it sort of does something impactful on the first turn, but then it, it just turns into a nice, simple creature. Um, Flash, by the way, is the other one, which didn't make my top 10 list. Um, uh, didn't make the top 10, because I, I believe that fundamentally in my heart, uh, I wish it didn't have to be a creature keyword, but um, I, I do like Flash. It... it Probably be number eleven, but um, didn't make top ten. But Flash is the other virtual. For those that are wondering, what the virtual um, vanilla uh, two keywords were. Uh, anyway, haste is flavorful, fun, good gameplay. I mean, really, really good gameplay, and it does neat things, and it helps mess around with the clock, and like oh, I can attack, but oh, I didn't know you had a haste creature, and you know, it does really cool things. Um, the final one, number one on my list, is I mean, this should be no surprise to anybody. Flying. Why is flying number one? Well, first and foremost, uh, it is the most flavorful, easiest to understand mechanic we have. That flying, every time I teach flying, I'm like, it does this, because, you know, it flies. And my, the, the player goes, oh, yeah, of course, oh, it flies. Like, they get it instantaneously. Um, and it is just a really, really strong keyword. Um, like, if you said to me, okay, can you make a set and take away any one evergreen keyword? I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and, and any evergreen keyword I take away, there's some issues I'd have to deal with, but... Flying is the one where, like, if I was told you have to take away flying, and you can't just replace it with essentially flying. You can't just put horsemanship, which is secretly just flying. Um, you know, could you make a set? I'm like, wow, I would have a hard time making a set without flying. Um, in fact, flying is so ubiquitous almost that, like, when we talk about vanilla creatures, like, flying is almost, almost like, you know, eh, almost, almost a vanilla creature by the way we, we function. You know, like, most tokens we make, we tend not to put creature keywords on them, but, like, the one exception is, well, you know, flying is okay. And uh, a lot of times when we're making, like, vanilla cycles, sometimes, like, one of them will just have flying. Like, well, you know, it's, uh, 
Good enough. Close enough. So vanilla. So it, it is super flavorful. It is easy to learn. It is really good gameplay. I mean, it is the it is the king of evergreen keywords. It is just the you know the the top notch of evergreen keywords. So clearly, clearly, it had to be my number one. Um, real quickly, I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, Flash didn't make my top. So the one, a few ones that didn't make the top ten. Flash uh, strike against Flash was. In my heart of hearts, I kind of wish it wasn't a creature keyword. Uh, hexproof causes a lot of problems. I, I do like hexproof, and where it works, it's kind of cool. But it just causes a lot of problems, and so it's it's troublesome. Um, reach reach really exists as a keyword uh, to make writing flying easier in reminder text. Uh, so it does a good thing. In my mind, it's just like we probably could write it out. Like you know, it doesn't really need to be evergreen keyword. I mean, it does. It allows us to uh, very quickly and succinctly write flavor text for flying, or reminder text for flying, which is important. So, Reach is doing good work, but eh, not my top 10. Uh, and then Defender. Uh, it's the only evergreen keyword that's a negative. Um, not that I, I, I don't dislike Defender or anything. I just I'm not, didn't make my top 10. It's a negative keyword. So, um, But anyway, those were so my top 10 one more time. Number 10, Indestructible. Number 9, Trample. Number 8, Death Touch. Number 7, Vigilance. Number 6, First Strike and Double Strike. Number 5, Prowess. Number 4, Menace. Number 3, Lifelink. Number 2, Haste. And number 1, Flying. And that, my friends, is my top 10 evergreen mechanics. Uh, creature keywords. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this today. I like doing my top 10s and it's fun kind of looking at the, the bare basics of the game. So this was a fun one today. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it, but I'm in my parking space. So we all know what that means. Instead of uh, talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.